Well, good morning. Welcome to everyone here in person, those who are watching online. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy start to Advent season to everyone. It is a special kind of joy and privilege to be celebrating at this time of the year. Uh, the, the reasons behind the arrival of Christ, His coming, Advent meaning the arrival, the, the showing up, if you will, of God's fulfilling work and the person and work of Jesus Christ. And not only did He arrive to take on our humanity, He will arrive again one great and glorious day to bring an end of all sin to bring an end of all death, to bring an end of Satan, and what a great and glorious day that will be. And so between our day and that day, we have good news to proclaim, and we get to do that, and we're going to be doing that through a series this Advent called Wonders of His Love. And last week we mentioned that we were making a devotional available that we're encouraging all of our households to go through. Don't be put off by the, the, the kid-like wonder of it. In fact, embrace it, I would say. Do the crafts. I don't care if you're, you're single, if you're empty nesters, if you're family, whatever. Take some time and be encouraged in the week. And so we have a few of these left on the way out. If you haven't grabbed one, um, please do so. But wonders of his love and, and specifically finding Jesus in Isaiah. So we're going to be in Isaiah this month. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Isaiah. It's probably about middle of your Bible. You want to, you'll find it somewhere near the middle mark of your Bible. Isaiah chapter 9. We're actually going to consider verses 21 and 22 of chapter 8, and then we're going to read the first couple of verses of chapter 9. Jesus, the light of the world, fulfilling what we are going to be reading here this morning. Isaiah, starting in chapter 8, verse 21. They will pass through the land, greatly distressed and hungry. And when they are hungry, they will be enraged and will speak contemptuously against their king and their God and turn their faces upward. And they will look to the earth, but behold, distressed and darkness the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. Let's pray. God, as we consider your word this morning, as we take into account your promise and fulfillment and all of that coming together in the person and work of Christ whom we're celebrating this season, all seasons, He's worth celebrating in, in all the seasons of life. God, it is for us light. Left to our own hearts, it would be darkness, and yet you have shown light. And I pray that as we come to your word and as I proclaim it, that you'd be with us in the preaching, the hearing, the receiving, the believing, the trusting, the clinging to this, your word, for our good and your glory, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. 
The holiday season can be a season of gloom for many, and maybe for those of us in here, there's a good number of us who feel gloomy during this season rather than, than the joy and the merriment that we see all around us. And we might feel that gloom a little bit more pronounced because COVID has impacted our realities. There's isolation, there's loneliness, there's the sense of loss. All of that gets kicked up freshly when we hit into the holiday season. There can be very real, heavy, dark uh, obstacles to the merriment and cheer that is marketed and delivered to us through whatever device of choice, phone, computer, mailbox, all the above. If only I had a way of knowing who had Black Friday sales. I mean, seriously. (laughs) But then there's the COVID stuff, right? And maybe you've already experienced that this week. We long to gather and yet we have some who won't or some who demand we all get tested or some who choose not to be vaccinated and you're all just trying to get together for merriment and cheer and food. And so maybe you've felt this dread, this gloom already. The seasonal gloom for you has set in and and with it comes all these dark clouds. Dark clouds. And for the idea of gloom, it's not hard for many of us to grasp it and understand. And you're like, okay, you said this is an Advent series. Where is that again? (laughs) But we need to feel this gloom. What is gloom? What is gloom? Well, gloom is this. Gloom is the overcast of the soul by the weightiness of something not right, of something broken. Gloom is the overcast of the soul. By, some, by the weightiness of something not right, of something broken. And this sort of gloom darkens and obscures our view. It's too dark to see straight, and it can cast us into a wandering haze with no sense of direction. As we enter into a season in which we're celebrating the wonders of His love, it only seems to exacerbate the gloom for some of us the not right, the broken. The Bible is not unfamiliar with gloom. It displays its stark reality for us. The dark clouds of the brokenness of sin are easily found on these pages. And the greatest of all glooms is the gloom of sin and wreckage it brings. And that gloom, that greatest gloomiest day was found in Genesis 3. When the weight of sin, of something not right, of something lost, Something broken hit all of creation. And really, that gloom has sat over the earth like a thick, dark, low-hanging December storm cloud. In Isaiah, the gloom that we just read about belonged to the people of God. They were in the gloom. And their gloom was because they abandoned and rejected God. That was their gloom the darkness that they lived in, and the consequences of that gloom settled on their hearts. And then foreign nations arrived, laying waste to the people and the places. That's the nature of the gloom brought on by sin. And this gloom we cannot escape, except light has dawned. 
light has dawned. And the Bible unfolds God's purposes, his promises, and they reach their zenith, their fulfillment in Jesus. In Jesus. So that gloom we feel is met and overmatched by the light that we see in Christ. And we're going to consider that this morning, both the gloom and the light. We're going to consider that because really, apart from the light, there's no chance for you and I to see. There's no chance of hope. There's no chance of joy. There's no chance of love. There's no chance of peace. There's no chance if it not be for Advent. So hopefully our hearts will be encouraged Christward today, even if we might feel the gloominess all around or all within. As we tackle that, we're going to look at how Jesus is the light of the world, first of all, over the gloom of sin. He is the light of the world over the gloom of sin. He is greater than the gloom. And then secondly, we, we're going to find and see that Jesus is the light of the world by means of the gospel. It comes to us by means of the gospel. And you and I, no matter how often we may have heard this message, it is one that is to be lifeblood to our faith. We need it today. My suspicion is that there's probably more gloominess in here than maybe willing to admit. And we need the light that is Christ to work brightly in our hearts this day. So let's consider first, Jesus is the light of the world over the gloom of sin. And this gloom is the anguish of the soul, the Bible tells us. It is a sin-wrought spiritual gloom that has darkened the people of God in the Old Testament. It is an anguish that they experienced. It is sort of heavy draped over them. It is a sorrow that is deeper and aching, and it is brought on by their sin. Look again at verses 21 and 22 of Isaiah chapter 8. They, will, they the people of God, will pass through the land, greatly distressed and hungry. And when they are hungry, they will be enraged and will speak contemptuously against their king and their God and turn their faces upward. And they will look to the earth, but behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. I mean, consider this. These conditions had sort of these physical manifestations, this heavy word picture describing the spiritual condition of the people. This is not a very pleasant experience. And for those of us who may feel trapped in our own sin and feel the, the drapery of gloom over our own hearts and souls, we, we understand these descriptions and these visual word pictures. They, think about it. Look what it says. They're greatly distressed. They're hungry and enraged. They, they, they are contemptuous. They're in distress and darkness and the gloom of anguish and they're thrust into thick darkness. These physical features were most likely actual, but also pointing forward to the spiritual reality of the gloom of sin. We can't sugarcoat sin and what it does and, and how it devastates. It is the absolute possible worst that we could ever experience in life. Sin, our own and it is serious beyond what we can fully comprehend. We can't even fully comprehend how horribly 
gloomy and serious sin is and the wreckage it brings to our hearts. I mean, think about it. Sin in this passage and in our own lives is devastating. It brings complete wreckage. There's no semblance of any moral standing. And what sin deserves is due justice that is, apart from God's grace, otherwise unavoidable. That's how serious this is. And sin is overwhelming. It's not only devastating, but it's overwhelming, like a disaster that is so catastrophic that there's really just no hope of restoration. It's what it does to our hearts, to our minds, to our thinking, to our living. And sin is like the, the, the post-apocalyptic world that, that our pop culture is so fascinated with. That's actually sin. Sin leaves us in a wasteland, wandering around like spiritual zombies. That's what it does to us. And if God were to peel back the curtain and let us see truly the seriousness of sin when compared to His holiness we would absolutely be horrified, terrified, find it revolting, and we would probably melt in its presence by its sheer awfulness. You're still thinking, this is Advent, Sean. (laughs) This is not what I thought. There's poinsettias and lights. What are we doing? But this is the seriousness of the gloom. It's not a grumpy day. It's the devastating wreckage that sin brings to our hearts and our lives. And this is what Jesus came to overcome for us. That's what he came to overcome. The gloom of our sin our sin, personal sin. That's what this is about. Not the sin of others, not the sinful world that we live in. There, there isn't an outside bad guy or boogeyman. It's us. It's our gloom, our sin that Christ came to overcome. Let's feel the gloom. Let's be honest about the gloom. So that we can see even more um, like clearly and more amazingly the awesomeness of the light that is Christ who burns off the gloom. I love Isaiah chapter 9 verse 1, first word. But. But. Jesus is the light of the world by means of the gospel. The most theologically good news saturated conjunction in the Bible is the word but. It is the best word. We just considered the seriousness of the gloom of sin, but there's something better, something greater, something stronger, something more amazing to come after the word but. Good news comes after the but. We need that word. Circle it in your Bible. Put a little highlighter around that. Draw some arrows to it, some exclamation points, lightning bolts, whatever it is that you need to do 
to clue in your attention to that little word because that word means everything to us. It swings us from the gloom to the light. It swings us from the devastating, overwhelming, post-apocalyptic conditions of sin to light and life in Christ. We need this word. The gloom will not win because God has given us this word. The sin-wrought gloom is displaced by the promise of and then the ultimate fulfillment of the Messiah. This is the wonders of His love. We're in the gloom of our sin, and yet God still loves us purposefully, filled with great promise and fulfillment that He doesn't bail on. He announces it here, and he fulfills it in Jesus, and he bursts into our lives, bringing that light to bear. That is the wonders of his love. Look again at verses 1 and 2. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness, which we read in verses 21 and 22, have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. The her in anguish there in verse 1 refers to God's people under the crushing gloom of their sin and then ultimate exile. But good news is coming Good news is coming, and this will be first experienced in Zebulun and Naphtali because those northern locations were the first to experience the destruction that came from foreign enemies. The promise starts there in those places and goes out to express the expanding scope of the wonders of his love and how it will bring a reversal of all the gloom brought on by sin. And this is most unexpected just after what we read in, verse, in chapter 8, this is a most unexpected thing, and that's the very nature of God's grace. The people of God who rejected him in their belief and practice, God was being gracious to. They wanted a world that was all around them, and God wasn't enough, and God was gracious. They hypocritically thought the religious performance would be enough to appease God, but they continued to live as pagans that they idolized. And yet, in the midst of leveling judgment against them, God was also graciously announcing the greatest news of all humanity, that I will bring one who will undo all that has been broken by sin. And he says, a light has shone. In the land of darkness comes a light that brings the joy and the hope of rescue. When we read verse 2, did you notice that Isaiah was speaking of a future event in the past tense? Did you catch that? A future event from Isaiah's day, but in the past tense, that is, as a completed action. 
That's how sure God is. That's how sure his promises are. That before they reach fulfillment in time and space, they are still completed because it's God who is purposing this. It is God who is promising this. Nothing can dislodge God from what he has set out to do. Nothing can thwart God from fulfilling what he has promised. Nothing can stop God from doing the good that he purposed to do in the person and work of Jesus Christ. So that from our time-limited perspective, when we look at it from a different place of time, it's still a completed action because God is behind it. Let that, think, let that sell around in your heads the rest of the day. God who is above time, created time, looks down on time, isn't bound by time, doing something in time so that you and I could have a sure hope and a firm conviction that what he promised to do and display and the wonders of his love, he saw all the way through. And no matter where we are in time, he can say that work is completed. It's amazing. It's amazing. God is far greater than we dare to dream and think and believe. <laughs> and he has displayed the wonders of his love so surely that when he's promising it, it's still a completed action. What does this say about God? What do we need to rehearse to our hearts when we read that and think about that? What does it say about his power and his authority and his grace and his mercy? Read that verse, read verse two, and let your head and your heart wander on, on just like trying to get a sense of the character of God on display just in that verse. And what does it say about his, his, uh, his ability to bring things about? And what does it make us anticipate? Well, it makes us anticipate something incredibly bright. As we feel the darkness and the gloom of sin so we should feel then the exhilarating joy of the light that would be greater than that gloom and that darkness. Because ultimately this light that is shown is pointing us to Jesus and the good news of what his arrival means. Jesus is the light that has shown. He's what's anticipated here in verse 2. Consider verses 4 and 5 of John chapter 1. In him, that is in Jesus, was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness loses to the light. The light burns off the gloom of sin. The light wins, the dark loses. It's the nature of it. Little kids know that theological principle too, right? Dark doesn't feel great, does it? You flip the light switch, change of perspective. Jesus is the light that has shown. We also see that Jesus is the, additionally, the glorious fulfillment that does overcome the gloom. Very specifically, though, so we read about a little, two little places called Zebulun and Naphtali. Those are very interesting references. They're, again, referring to northern kingdoms that fell first from Assyria that came down to lay waste to the people of God. These are uh, things that occurred in the Old Testament in the days of Isaiah. Devastating waste. Destroyed and then took away people uh, that they wanted to sort of reprogram to their culture. Horrible, horrible moment in the history of God's people. 
In Matthew chapter 4, at the very beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry, we find these words. Now when he, Jesus, heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He is the light that overcomes the gloom. He is fulfilling God's promises. He is the one in which we find our hope, our joy, our love, our peace, our rescue. Not only is he the light that is he the light that we see in John 1? Not only is he fulfilling specific promises that we see there in Matthew 4, but Jesus is also the very same light and good news that you and I who turn to him in faith receive. He's the one that we receive. That's what's shown in our hearts. That's what came cascading down on our gloom of sin and brought us life and rescue. And he's also the good news that we then proclaim Consider 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has done what? Shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. Our hearts, under the blanket of the, the, uh, the heaviness and darkness of our sin, could not hold off the burning light of the good news of Jesus Christ, God shone through that and brought us light and life. He did that work in us. And and if your heart is currently under the gloom of sin, if, if you haven't ever seriously considered the person and work of Jesus Christ, this thing called the gospel, the good news that we hold up and hold out to you that we sing about and pray about and preach about and, and sort of like hold on to as a, because there's nothing else that we can hold on to in this life. If, if there was a moment ever in your life to consider that, now is the time. Now is the time to consider what it is that, that we hold out in this gospel. That a God who is over all things purposed and promised and fulfilled a plan to bring about salvation to sinners through the sending of his son Jesus who lived a life that you and I could not live and then died a death that we deserved in our place and then overcame the enemies of our soul, our sin, death, the grave, Satan. He overcame them and and he's resurrected and he's ruling and reigning and one day returning and that Jesus has sent his spirit, the spirit to work powerfully in our hearts to bring life where there was death. So we would respond to this good news with faith and repentance, just as he said when he began to preach. We believe, we turn away from the gloom of sin and we look to Christ and we see in Christ one who lived, died, and lived again so that I might live. And then the Bible says, All 
who put their trust and hope in Jesus Christ will not be ashamed. All who put their hope and trust and faith in him will be saved. That's good news. That goes out to all people, all places, at all times. God has overcome the gloom of our sin through the person of Jesus Christ. That's for us today, right now. That's the gospel. Jesus' public ministry began with the preaching of that gospel. And Jesus went on to display power over sin and temptation. And he began to preach good news. And he called broken people to follow him. And this continues on now, right now. Jesus is the Messiah to come deal with sin fully, finally, and with forever implications. And this means that you and I, we can live rescued lives, rescued from the gloom of sin, living out the joy that is announced in the good news that the King has come, the Messiah is here, and he has overcome the gloom of sin. Look and behold the wonders of his love. Know this joy. Rest in it. The dark front of the gloom of sin has been pierced by the remarkable light of Jesus, the King who conquers our foes of sin, Satan, and death. And only in Christ will the gloom be displaced with unspeakable joy of rescue and restoration. So may we be a people this season and all the seasons after be a people who wonder at his love, thriving in it with hearts eager to announce, to announce it to others so that they too can share in that with us. Let's pray. God, we ask that you would indeed do that work in us. We pray that you would help us to see, that you would help us to see by your light all that Christ is, He is the light of the world who's stepped into our darkness and opened our eyes to see. God, I pray that we would know that with great joy and wonder this morning. That that would do do well for our hearts to, to think on and meditate on that and wrestle with that in the week ahead. Whether we are single or empty nesters or families or what have you, as we reflect on these truths this week, God, I pray that you would bring timely encouragement to us. Jesus is indeed the light of the world. He makes us see. And we ask all this in Christ's name. Amen.